Okay, so this is Amory Gita. Yeah. So it starts in, out, in, out, deep, slow, deep, slow, breathing in I calm my body. So this is Amory Gisa, songstress, wayfarer, mother. What else? Human being. Human being. <laughs> that says it all. Stay at home, dance with the universe. Amory Gisa. So welcome. Thank you for being here. So I just thought I'd share with you um, some questions and some thoughts um, about parenting as a spiritual practice. Um, but actually, just before we start, I just thought I'd like to ask people, just anyone who's got anything there, just to say, those of you who are parents, what's, what's kind of your current challenge at the moment? What's just, you know, a couple of words, you know, is it time, is it? Yeah. What's the current challenge that you're kind of in right now about being a parent? Separation. What? What's the kind of? What's the challenge that you're in at the moment? Exhaustion. Exhaustion. <laughs> Time. Time. Mm -hmm. Making real contact with them. Making real contact with them. Reducing screen time without paying. Thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> Thirteen. Thirteen. <laughs> what about thirteen? <laughs> Not a child anymore. It's kind of. 
in between the state. How to be present to play when you're thinking about 101 other things. Anyone else? Current challenge? Tantrums. Tantrums. Well, I would say lack of connection of any kind. I've got a 13 year old who's kind of popping the world. Gone. Lack of connection. <laughs> So, um, hopefully we can get round. I'm not going to give a very long talk, be about maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, and then we can come back to some of these issues that people have raised and, uh, you know, just kind of like reflect and talk and see if we can give each other some uh, pointers. Um, I think the thing that kind of I sort of start with is, um, for me, quite a fundamental schism in my psyche about whether or not to have children. I mean, I started uh, my spiritual practice 19 years ago, and um, I never actually had a very strong sense of, I want to have children and get married and live happily ever after. That just never was my dream. It just didn't, wasn't there. Um, so, and there was a very, very strong aspect of me that was like, absolutely not. I will not do that. And I remember seeing somebody who's, who's an order member um, who got pregnant once, and then I remember her getting, seeing her getting pregnant again, and I remember this, this thought in my head was like, oh my God, how could she? <laughs> there was this, this aspect of me that was just like, absolutely not. That is just not the way if you're a true spiritual seeker. Um, and yet, the, the older I got, as I went through life, you know, as I went through and I was practicing, I was going more and more retreats, and I was like, there was this little, this little, um, I don't know quite what it was, but this little aspect of my being that would just tug at my little, this little please, can I have a baby? <laughs> please, just, just, can I please have one? Oh, no. We're on serious matter here. We're not going to trouble ourselves with that. And then it just knock, knock, knock. Please, can I have one? <laughs> Please, <laughs> just a little one. <laughs> um, and this voice just sort of started getting stronger and stronger. And I remember once being at one of the retreat centers at Tiratnaloka, just having this absolute excruciating pain where I really felt that there was this, there was this two aspects of my being that felt like they couldn't both coexist. They just couldn't both coexist. Um, and I was just crying my heart out, just crying and crying at the, I couldn't have both. I couldn't, I felt like I just couldn't have both and somehow that felt like a real obstacle to my spiritual path. Um, and then I read later on um, this, someone said that, you know, if you were walking down a road and you came to like a sign and you knew this was a, a vital sign post. On one side it said life that way. On an, and then it said on the other signpost, that way is enlightenment. <laughs> life, enlightenment. And you're standing there 
Which are you going to choose? Which are you going to choose? Come on. And uh, it was what was really interesting in, in this book that I was reading. It was actually saying that that is the false dichotomy that a lot of religious practice sets up. And actually, it really, it really isn't that. It really, really isn't that. Um, and now it's just kind of like this blubbering heap at <laughs> the signpost, at the bottom of the signpost. <laughs> and all soggy and limp and not, you know, not kind of thinking I could go in either way. So... Um, yeah, and I think, it, I mean, it is a very real, you know, I don't think we can sort of avoid it, that issue that, you know, what's been considered real, true spiritual practice has been taking place, you know, our consideration of it takes place in monasteries, doesn't it? It takes place on the hills, it takes place in the caves, it take, doesn't take place in the midst of family life, you know, in, our, in well, certainly in my sort of stereotyped idea of what a spiritual practitioner is, certainly not someone that's changing nappies. You know, really, if, if I think about my archetypes of, of what that is, so there is this very real tradition, and and, and so you know, um, you know, the Buddha left his family. You know, he went forth from his family. He said, no, you know, in order to find the truth, this is what I need to do. I need to leave that. I need to leave. I need to go forth from that. So we've got some pretty powerful images about what it is to be a true spiritual practitioner, a true Dharma warrior. And I don't think yet they really encompass, there's not many images out there of encompassing true spiritual Dharma practitioners with children. You know. And yet we know that you know, in the lay life it is possible to practice. We kind of, people tell us that and we think, yeah, they're just telling us that because they're trying to be kind. <laughs> you know, you can practice <laughs> with children. <laughs> it is possible. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things, one of the, one of the first things, you know, when we look at practice is that, you know, pretty much the first stage that you're trying to enter into is tranquility, you know, in order to have access to, um, you, know, the, you know, our Buddha nature that's kind of buried, it's present, it's there, but it's buried underneath all of the conditioning and one of the first prerequisites for that seems to be that we need tranquility so that some of that, all that business, some of that fog, that ignorance that is there begins to settle, begins to calm down and so tranquility compassion and then insight so you know one of the things, you know, the lay life, the life of children and the, the most difficult the, the, the first stumbling block is tranquility <laughs> you know, where do you get it actually you know, certainly in the first sort of ten years it's, uh, it's pretty hard to come by, so I think, you know, people just sort of take one look at that and you know, you kind of fail at the first hurdle, but you don't actually realise that Beyond that, the tranquility phase of the spiritual life, in terms of the compassion and in terms of the insight, there's a lot, there's a huge amount that you know you can be drawn into. Um, so, I think one of the interesting things is that you know I think we're in a time now where it is actually possible more and more for lots of different reasons, historically and socially, and what life, how hard life used to be, um, and, and how hard you know, just domestically life used to be. I think now there's a lot more, you know, we have a lot more time, really, than, you know, in the past. So I think it, it's different conditions now, and I think it is more possible. There are, there's more, you know, there's more available for us to be able to practice it within our current conditions as, as householders, as lay people. Um, and one of the, one of the things I find sort of intriguing about the universe and life is that, 
there are you know you, there's so many different gateways in so if you think about like in alternative medicine you know there's iridology and apparently in like the whole of the body you can kind of read it in an eye you know it's got the whole and then you know foot you know the whole body you can look at it you know on your foot and then you can look at it other places um in your ear apparently as well there's a whole of the you know you can all the different organs you can locate them in your ear so it's like in any one one part of your body everything else lives and i think it's the same you know my 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 intuitive sense is that actually if you keep looking deep enough into anything everything is there and i think that's the same with um you know parenting as a spiritual practice you know there's a lot that can put you off it um, on the surface, but if you keep looking and you keep going deep enough, there is a thousand dharma doors, um, you know, in parenting, in in that family life. You know, the universe. In a, you know, if you can find the universe in a grain of sand, then surely you can find it in the whole of family life. Um, but but it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. And the reason why, one of the main reasons that it's hard is that part of practice is about trying to get a perspective, trying to get a big enough perspective on ourselves. Because we just get bogged down in thinking that we're this, um, and that's all we are. You know, we have this perspective, and actually what spiritual life is trying to get us to do is trying to get us to see ourselves in a whole different perspective. And what can sometimes keep us bogged down is all the calls from um, you know the present you know and uh, in family life that's a hundredfold the case so part of why we go away on retreats part of why we go you know we go away is because we're we're creating a gap that we can see our habits we can see um, how we're you know who we're being so we get this perspective and that's what we're trying to get um, and that's I think part of why you know, lay life is seen as not conducive conditions because it's hard to create that perspective, it's harder to create that gap. So one of the things that I was been thinking about is, um, you know, there's a, the religious, the Islamic um, spiritual tradition, um, they're really not at all keen on the monastic tradition. There is no monastic tradition within the Islamic in, in that sense of, you know, um, a, you know, seeing that the place that spiritual life takes place is somewhere else in the monasteries. And actually, um, you know, how do you, if you're really not going to have that space to go away, how do you practice? And the answer is five times a day. You know, if you're really, really serious about creating a bit of distance, a bit of perspective, then, you know, in the midst of family life, in the midst of business, you know, you get a call to prayer. And I think that's interesting as well because um, it's almost like you need that when you're really in the midst of being in the world, being in, you know, you need someone to, hello, <laughs> earth calling, <laughs> whoever you are, you know, come out of whatever you're in. And I think that's, that's a lot about the spiritual life is about we're trying to get, we're trying to keep a perspective of who we really are. Um, so, you know, this thing of being called, being called, being interrupted to remember. Ah, remember the blue sky. Perfect. Let's do three breath meditation.
One of my friends did a course at an interfaith seminary, and they took on sort of three-month practice of five different um, faiths. And what was interesting, they said, is that all, as a group, they all said that, and they all had to dedicate themselves to these different practices and these different faiths. And they said the most difficult one was the five times a day stopping. That was actually what they found of all the different things. That was they found the most, the most challenging, the most difficult. Um, so. One of the ways that I'm trying to develop practice is this, and I sort of start calling it five portions a day. <laughs> five portions a day, not just fruit and vegetables. But five portions a day of remembrance. Now, how can we, in, in a day, come back to a sense of broader awareness sense of spaciousness, a sense of what the bigger picture really is. Because I think if you, if you can get a big enough picture on anything, all of a sudden it doesn't seem so bad. It's like, guess what, 13 is going to become 14. Guess what, you know, it's not long before something else happens. You know, if we have enough perspective then the things that we're worried about, the things that we're concerned about, the things that we kind of feel ourselves narrowing and contracting and tightening around, can, you know, begin to not seem so, so, you know, fraught. Um, so, you know, five times a day, you know, it can easily be divided, waking up, meal times, and going to bed. You know, those are three places, three obvious possible places where we can, even if we just stop for three breaths, meditation. So I'm trying to get five into this talk. <laughs> See if we can get five in in half an hour. Um, can we get five into a day? And that's the practice. Other places, brush, brushing teeth, shower. There was a period when I had, in my, when I had my second child where I, I considered my shower is my, my retreat. I go on retreat every day into the shower. Seriously, this was my retreat. One of the things that uh, occurs is you really, time, does, doesn't time become totally different when you're a parent? That I'm kind of thinking of quite deeply as well, which is about shanti. And shanti often gets translated as patience or forbearance but uh, if I could translate it in any way I think I'd translate it as burning shanti that that, and it, it's all there in the Buddha's enlightenment in that his willingness to stay with and be with and, be, and turn towards the experience of um, Mara you know, Mara's hordes hatred and greed, you know, he's willing, you know, that for me is the image of the Buddha, he's willing just to stay with it, not turn away from it, not think he shouldn't be experiencing, just being with it. And in that being with, you know, my, the way I see it is that if you can truly be with it, it's almost like you're burning, you're burning off, you're burning off 
those habits, those kind of habit energies that are, you know, at the moment are kind of predominant in us. The more we can actually sit with and experience without pushing away and just staying open to it, um, then something else is on the other side of that. So, you know, what we're called, you know, what I'm called to do in parenting is to surrender, is to practice that just being with, you know, um, all the ways in which, um, you know, this doesn't fit in with my plan. Just sitting with that, letting go and letting go. And in that, we have this um, ability to observe ourselves, to be, to be that awareness. Um, and one of the things I was thinking of is also that our children, we can see our children as aspects of our mind. Like, like we're in a meditation and um, we're the, you know, the broad awareness, the broad loving non-personal awareness that just is witnessing all these other aspects of ourselves wanting, clinging, craving, hating, you know, loving all of this, those things that go on with our children and being able to, you know, be in that um, sitting back and being in that awareness and um, allowing, just allowing allowing and how you know what happens then that's kind of what happens then it's not like you can predict it's not like you're doing it in order to get a certain result but you're you're sitting back and just allowing and seeing what happens then what happens now um, yeah and that I, I found that really useful really useful practice and just you know you, what if that was the case what if they just were aspects of our mind um, so there's a lot in, in parenting in which you know we can transform ourselves you know, Shambhala, Shambhala warriors transforming ourselves but what about transforming the world isn't staying at home because you know, parenting doesn't involve a lot of staying at home you know, isn't that somehow a cop out you know, how, is that, how is that transforming the world I mean, obviously, we can say, yeah, well, if we transform ourselves, we transform the world. We're also looking at something a little bit broader than that, some other way of moving out into the world. Um, and I think, you know, partly, I think that, you know, we are sowing seeds as practitioners with children. We are sowing seeds in our children. Um, two years ago, my daughter was watching one of the plays and Carolyn, one of the children here, he's come to Lowe's, she was in the play for the day, and she was the Buddha. And she said, I don't know if any of you saw her, she was the Buddha. She sat like this, and Mara's hordes, two years, Mara's hordes came, oh my goodness, with branches, with, you know, swords, with, I mean, they literally threw all kinds of things at her. And she just, she was extraordinary, she just sat there like this, throughout the whole thing and I watched my daughter who was then three watching her and she was just like this watching Carolyn being the Buddha withstanding that it went in very deeply with her and then just two two months ago I, we were at a different um, 
retreats, the hours leading parents and children retreat, and they were doing a play. And guess who wanted to be the Buddha? <laughs> and guess who, guess who sat like this through? Mara's hordes weren't quite as <laughs> horde-like as the ones previously. But she, you know, there was that the seed was in her. There was something in her. She's got that in her. And I think, you know, obviously we just don't know. You know, I'm sure my daughter's going to become an accountant <laughs> in the city. <laughs> you know, we just don't know. But, I, you know, I do believe that all these seeds that we're planting, you know, as parents with our children, practicing with our children, I, I'm sure they're having an effect on the world. I'm sure they have an effect on the world. Um... And I think that trying, I think more and more, I think as more and more, um, the retreat that I read, led recently at Bhadrasana, there was a lot of women there who'd already had a very strong spiritual practice before coming, uh, yeah, before being parents. And, um, you know, my sense is that, you know, there is a kind of, you know, we are trying to come to grips much more with how do we do this? You know, there's kind of more of a dialogue going on at the moment within the friends of the Western Buddhist order and within, you know, within mothers and, and Buddhists and, and parents. Um, and I do feel it has something to offer because I think there is a real void in current teaching of children at schools. There's a spiritual void. Um, and children love you know, they, they really have a sense of the sacred, they really have a sense of, you know, wonder and beauty. And um, there's very little going on at the moment for children to participate in, to really get a feel for that, a glimpse of that. And I think by providing these environments, by just having a shrine in your, in your house and other children coming in and, you know, just seeing, you know, my little boy, one and a half, <laughs> seeing something happening. Um, I just think I think it is I think it is putting something into the world that um, maybe not on a very obvious level, but I really do feel that um, it's bringing something in. And when I when I go past, I live in Hackney. When I go past, I see the playgrounds and I see the children in the playgrounds and how they're being with each other. And there's just so much harshness so much, so little sense of um, kind of honouring something. And there's this religion as a paradigm has lost its um, ability to um, move or kind of call respect forward. But I think, you know, what we're doing here, I mean, you know, I do have a, have a strong sense that that's laying some tracks somewhere you know, in our children. That's laying some tracks so that perhaps if they choose to take up spiritual practice, they've, they've got something there. They've got something already there that you know, may allow them to go deeper perhaps in their lifetime than otherwise. So You know, one thing I've learned a lot for my, my, my daughter goes to a, a Steiner school and I think there's a lot I've, I feel I've learned a huge amount about how they do kind of uh, children in the sacred space it's very very wonderful and they rely a lot on rhythm repetition, reverence and beauty and I think those things are things that you know, we also 
provide within retreats, you know, within our, if we can provide that more and more within our practice at home with our children, I think that does have a very strong effect. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously the most powerful effect that we have on our children is, is our own practice, taking our own practice seriously and, and then seeing us loving it and um, you know, being loving. Because, um, you know, as, as the saying goes, that uh, spiritual life isn't taught, it's caught. Um, but I think that in, you know, in being kind of uh, mirrors or beacons in some senses for children, I do think that uh, we are creating the conditions for uh, Shambhala warriors to arise uh, more strongly in the world. We've got um, about 15 minutes for questions now with Emery Gisa. There's a chance at 4.30 to discuss the themes in more depth and Karen Gita ビーターを呼びたいと思います。ですね。ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっ
quietly watching the deer over the top. Dear. Looking at the beauty together. Mm. And just, just see a pair of children. Just sitting completely together in a long hierarchy. We just have that. Meditation. Dear watching with Rupert Darshan. <laughs> <laughs> While waiting for the shout. While waiting for the shout. <laughs> okay, so has anyone got any questions or just points? Joyous appreciation. What should we just have three three breath meditations? Mm. That song that I sang is one that I learned at Plum Village, and um, at the last retreat we had it as a kind of mindfulness bell. So whenever we felt we needed it, someone would just start singing and everyone would stop and sing it, and it was just really lovely. And a lot of people went home and kind of introduced it into their daily life or, and bedtime routine as well. So lots of these little things we need to kind of develop. And... Can we do a three breath, uh, sing that song again to close? And we do three breath Can you say the words? In, out, deep, Slow. Breathing in, I calm my body. Breathing out, I am smiling. How wonderful is now. In, out, deep, slow. Breathing in.